Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. I want you, if you have your Bible, to open it with me. Thanks, Pastor Sean. I want you, if you have your Bible, to open it with me to Hebrews chapter 11. How many appreciate Pastor Ryan extending the meetings for week three? Help me out with the sound, please. Hebrews chapter 11. You know, when you talk about faith, a lot of people have their own definitions of it. But the best way to define something out of the Bible is in the Bible. You hear people say some kooky stuff that they don't know what they're talking about. How many know faith is stepping out into nothing and finding something there? That's not a scripture. This is what the Bible says about faith. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith shows the reality. If, if you would, put the scriptures behind me in the King James. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. In the King James. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. If you're watching online, I want to welcome you. You already have my title. If you're here, I'm preaching a new message tonight to kick off this third week. Understanding faith, increase, and desire. Why don't you say those three words with me? Faith, increase, and desire. So the Bible says about faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. What does that mean? It's like hope is the blueprint and faith builds the house. You can hope you're going to win the lottery, but it just stays as hope. You'd like to win the lottery. You'd like for something good to happen to you. And a lot of people that don't understand faith, which is a lot of people, which is why God's having these things to be taught and spoken on again, because everything you're going to attain through God is by faith. Can you say amen? So you need to know what it is and then the laws that govern how faith works. So hope, if people don't understand the difference between hope and faith, number one, hope is future, faith is now. Everybody say, now faith is. That's where it is. Now faith is. Is is now. Now faith is the substance. So hope is hoping for one day things to get better. I'm believing, I'm believing one day I'm going to get healed. If you were here last week, that's one reason I'm so hard on keep me in prayer. Keep me in prayer is not now faith. Keep me in prayer just by saying that. You're letting it be known that you're expecting a 20-day struggle, 60-day struggle. Anytime somebody comes up to me and says, keep me in prayer, I say, why don't we just pray now? Believing you have received the things you have hope for. So if, you, if all you know is hope, hope is just keeping a positive attitude about a better tomorrow. But faith, which resides in the Word of God, begins by finding something in the Bible pertaining to what I'm believing for in the bounds of Scripture. If I don't have any Bible on it, then all I can do is hope. I hope things will get better. I hope one day I'm not sick anymore. I hope my children, you know, as I raise them, will turn out right. But how many of you know we never know whether they... No, because you don't have faith. You have hope. That's just a positive attitude. 
But faith gives substance to your hope. Now, if I'm hoping Camila turns out right, as I raise her the best I can, my wife and I, but then I get a scripture. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua 24, 15. Today, salvation has come to your house in the book of Acts with the jailer. If I get, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they grow old, they will not depart from it. Now, people can mess around with that scripture all they want. Well, I know the Bible says that, but we rate. No, you can't get me off of God's word. So if I have God's word in an area, now I don't have to hope that my daughter turns out right. Now I have God's unfailing, unchanging word, and I have something to stand on, and my hope now has substance through faith. If you see that, can you say amen? So faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I like how it says it in the Amplified, in the Amplified Classic. Uh, and the conviction of their reality. Faith has a conviction of its reality. That, well, I'm trying to believe. That's not conviction. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to do something in your spirit. Where this is not reading the Bible like it's a bunch of collection of nice fortune cookie sayings or nice Hallmark card things to get you through a hard time. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. Has he spoken something, it will come to pass. If he said it, he'll carry it through. So if you want, say this with me. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Until you know it's in the Bible, all you can do is hope. When you find it in the Bible, the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a thing be established. Well, now... Like a lawyer in court, I can pin something down where it's not me hoping for it to happen. It's God, you said this in your word. You said this in your word. You said this in your word, and I know you don't lie. So I'm standing on your word, and the Bible says when you do that, you mirror your father in the faith, Abraham. And it was accounted unto him righteousness because of his faith. For he considered not the deadness of his own body, but believed that God was able to do all the things that he promised. Can you say amen? So say out loud, faith is not hope. But then without hope, you can't have faith. You have to be reaching for something you don't have currently in the physical. Or then faith can't work. And that's what I want to get into, and that's why I titled it. Faith increase and desire because in my opinion and i have a valid opinion because i've grown when i say i grew up in church i was in church two weeks out of the hospital and i'm still in church right now and i wasn't out of it too many days in between my dad traveled as an itinerant minister we had no apartment i lived in church i've been around church people my whole life and there's something in religion that i'm looking to cut its neck tonight which is it makes people feel bad for having any kind of desire to rise above where they're at now. Many preachers, without knowing it, are used by the World Economic Forum and the International Monetary Fund and socialists to make people comfortable in poverty and comfortable in sickness, which is how this world wants you to be. You can't make money off of healthy people. You can't make money off of people that are making their own money. You need people to be poor and sick if you have a predatory economic system, which is what's trying to be introduced into this country, which is why they hate Texas. Because of all the states in the United States, no one has more of a me. You know, this is not the community. You don't hear Texans talk about the community. You hear Texans talk about my ranch. And the rest you can fend for yourselves. 
That, that's Texas. Texas started out every man for himself, and that's still here. And that's why the crosshairs are on Texas, even in a big city like Dallas. You, I was just flying over it. There's homes all sprawled out in a city area. You don't see, like New York, a bunch of big 90-story high-rises with everybody in apartments. This is not a community place. Texans, because of how it was, you police your own land. You're responsible for the food for your own family. You don't want any help from the government. You don't need the police other than to collect the body that you took care of yourself. That's Texas. And so as they try to introduce this other stuff into America, they hate American values, and Texas is the America of America. They want you. Well, there's the community, and we all need to pay our fair share. What's your fair share of what I legally earned? Explain that to me. What is your fair share? What is this we pay our fair share? There was no federal income tax until 1913. There were roads, hospitals, schools. Everything was going just fine. So this idea that they put in people, it's almost like they use ministers to keep people from having a desire for more. They'll criticize you. Now, some people, they spend all their time making money when really they should be putting God first. As if you can't find people in the Bible who put God first and made more money than the people who didn't put God first. So I'm going to slit that devil's throat tonight and tell you there is a blessing in God that you can receive by faith that will put you on another level and you're going to that level tonight in Jesus' name. If you believe that, take a 15 good seconds. Put your anointed hands together. Give God the mightiest shot you've ever given anybody. Faith, increase, and desire. And I want you to understand all three. By faith we understand. Uh, sorry, verse 2. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man. And God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. I want you to say something. Say, I can please God. I think we dealt with this on Friday night a little bit. If, if, if my memory serves me correct, I'm trying to sort out what happened in Texas and what happened in Pennsylvania. But I think, I think Friday night we talked about, I got into how, how Job, God said that Job is a man who's perfect in all his ways. He hates what is evil and does what is good. Enoch was before, uh, 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 Enoch's early, Enoch's before the flood. So when man had no covenant that was anywhere near what we have through Christ, there were people that pleased God. That's another thing you're going to have to have if your faith is going to work right. Say out loud, I can please God. Yeah, you're not going to expect a reward from your boss if you know he's ticked off with you. You're going to just be, well, I hope I don't get fired. And if people think God's ticked off with them, they don't pray right. They don't believe right. That'll jack all your faith up. I don't understand why you can listen, pop across live streams, and the average pastor speaks to their people as if they're a bunch of heathen, degenerate, awful rebels. You know, we don't pray like we should. How many know we displease God every day? How many know we sin and don't even know it? People aren't committed to God like they should. It's like, hey, bro, you're talking to church people. 
However you think about them, they did get showered and get dressed to come hear you preach. Then they can't figure out why their church doesn't grow. Even your dog is going to stop coming to his football if you kick him in the head every time he goes. And a lot of people, it's like they go to church to get a kick in the head. But God did not make the church to kick you in the head. He made it to give you a blessing by his word. I'm not talking to backslidden degenerates tonight. Even if you are, you made up your mind to quit doing it tonight and be in the house of God. God's not looking to curse you. God's looking to bless you and give you life if you're interested. Why do people feel the need to talk to church people like they're wicked people? You know, if I was preaching at the United Nations tonight, I wouldn't be preaching this. I'd preach a new message entitled, Touch Israel and Die by Jonathan Shuttlesworth. <laughs> but I'm not at the United Nations tonight. I remember when they, when they first passed the gay marriage bill. You know, I was at a conference and this guy got up and just started hammering the crowd. People should be ashamed. Well, these 2,000 people that were in Washington, D.C. for this Christian conference, they're not on the Supreme Court. They're just people that worked all day that fought Washington, D.C. traffic to come hear you preach. Don't talk to sinners like they're Christians, and don't talk to Christians like they're sinners. Why abuse people? The word was given to loose a blessing. Not, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh, but walk after the spirit. See, I, I'm a little different, as, as you can tell, because I'm a Yankee with a cowboy hat on. But I will tell you, I, I'm different. I don't, I don't get up and, and look to smack people. I don't come and say, Lord, what can I say to verbally abuse the crowd tonight? No, you realize people get, in fact, in this meeting, there's people who have been coming for two weeks. They said, oh, week three, I'm down the clown. I'll be there Sunday night, cancel all their plans. I'm not coming to look to find something, something to smack you around. Why not take the word and use it as it's intended, as a seed, a seed of faith that's incorruptible, that goes down into the spirit and starts to produce after its kind. I'm telling you, even tonight, God is putting something on the inside of you. You're not going to stay where you're at. There's going to be a noticeable difference this week compared to any other week in your life because you are somebody who pleases God. Well, let's just knock all whatever remaining religion there is in your body out. Take your right and left hand and lift it to the Lord and close both eyes. Say, thank you, Father, that my life is pleasing to you. If there's any religion, you can feel it flaring up right now, like tendonitis. You're nothing. He's every. You can't say, you're a sinner. You're just nothing. No, 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 no. I'm not a sinner. I was a sinner. And now I'm saved. And the old sinner is dead. Nevertheless, I live. But it's no longer I that liveth, but Christ liveth in me. If you're thankful for that, can you say a loud amen? amen. Now, that's a print. Oh, man. Nice to be back with you. Easy to preach to. That's a, that's a fundamental principle of faith. If you go around thinking, well, I know God's mad at me. You know how much trouble I had getting this lady to come to church back when I was doing Check the News? She was a journalist. And she said, she finally worked up the nurse. Hey, if you're ever in, in a, a certain state, let me know up north. And I'd like to come hear you preach. Well, I, don't, I think she thought I'd just ran okay. But I said, I'm actually in your state in another six weeks. Here's the date. Oh. Um. So as it got close to the date, she kept saying, and she wasn't joking around. I'm sure if I step on that church property, God will kill me. 
You know when we did that Sturgis uh, motorcycle event, all those bikers were telling me that? You know, I'd come to that, but if you knew how I was living, I bet you if I stepped on that field, God would kill me. First of all, if God wanted to kill you, he could kill you anytime he wanted to. He doesn't need you to step on certain property. He owns the whole world. But he's not looking to kill. He's looking to make alive. Can you say amen? He's not looking to curse you. He's looking to bless you. If he wanted you dead and under a curse, he could have left Jesus in heaven. Avoided the nail-scarred hands. The whole message of the Bible is that God loved you so much while you were in sin. Not after you got saved. While you were in sin. That he sent, he didn't send an angel. He didn't send $10 million. He sent his only son. That whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3, 16, verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but so the world through him might be saved. You know what that means? It means he's not looking to hurt you. He's looking to help you. Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I'm meek and lowly at heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is, and my burden is. Some of these people think when you come to Christ, you, you know, they, they promised you an easy life. What part of my yoke is easy? Don't you understand, genius? He didn't say, come unto me, all, all, all that are having fun with the devil, and I'll show you how serious life can be. No. The way of the transgressor is hard. But the path of the upright shines brighter and brighter and brighter until the full light of day. God's looking to have you exchange your burden for a blessing. And that's done through Christ. Can you say amen? amen. So say it out loud. God's not upset with me. And say this. God's not looking to hurt me. He's looking to help me. James chapter 1. Any, every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variance. That means, no variance means he never changes. You know, he's not a Vegas money line for a baseball game where it changes. And don't laugh because I know you have semi-gambling problems. Just look straight ahead and nod. It's a terrible church analogy, but I'm sticking with it. God's not the money line, uh, the Vegas money line on a baseball game. It was plus 350, now, now it's plus 200 because it's moving. He never changes. America can change. China can change. The world can change. Technology can change. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Behold, I'm the Lord God, and I change not. He's a good God. You know, he was a good God in the Old Testament. Even when he, even when he was upset and there was no proper dealing with sin, Christ hadn't come yet. He's still sending Jonah to go to a heathen city-state called Nineveh to preach the word and get them saved. Can you say amen? He's still sending people all through the Old Testament to go seek out and save people that are lost. He still saved Rahab when she called out to God and said, I don't want to be destroyed. God, unlike the God of, gods of other religions, God is a, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is a benevolent God. He loves people. He, what does the Bible say in, in, in uh, the epistle of John? That God is love. Not he's God and he, he can love. God is love. Not God is mad. That's what you think if you, read, if you were on Twitter. But I, I know the Bible. 
I've been messing people up online. Not, not the thing you're thinking of, something more pertinent to the, to the sermon. Because I, I had, uh, you know, there's all these people that are from that background. God's angry. God, I mean, God's angry. God's up in heaven right now looking what's going on in America, and he's angry. No, he's not. He got angry before there ever was an America. And he said, I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to send my son to die on a cross to take their sins in his own body. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to tell you how God feels about everything. You're welcome to disagree with my take on things as long as you remember that I'm right. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter five. Starting tomorrow, it starts going up into the mid hundreds. So you're going to see me preach bare chested the rest of the week. <laughs> see if we'll get it down to about 15 people by Wednesday. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17. I probably should add another word to the title. Understanding, understanding faith, righteousness, increase in desire. Because until you get righteousness, your faith doesn't work right. If you heard your boss is ticked off at you, you're not stopping by his office. You're just hoping not to see him. You want to avoid him. And because people feel that way, that's why I couldn't get that journalist to come to church. Well, go there, God's going to kill me. No, he's not looking to kill you. The devil's looking to kill you. He's looking to give you life and that you might have it more abundantly. You know, wow, I feel my blood pressure slowly rising. This is not a new thing. What did Jesus deal with in his earthly ministry? There were Pharisees and Sadducees that he laid into. You know, some of the stuff I've said to people, how can you be a minister and talk like that? You should hear how my boss talks to people. Jesus lit, Jesus was very kind to sinners and very harsh towards religious people that beat people over the head with the Bible. They found a woman caught in the act of adultery and pick up stones. I mean, you know, pretty harsh. Picked up stones to bounce them off her head till she died. And he sat, he stooped down and rode in the sand till they all left one by one. And when he was alone with the woman, he said, woman, where are thine accusers? John chapter 8. They're not here, Lord. Neither do I condemn you. These are the two parts of the gospel that both have to be in place. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. There's no condemnation, but you need to get out of sin. He wasn't telling her that to be mean. Listen, I'm coming here to set you free. Don't get entangled back in that life that almost killed you. Can you say amen? Say, neither does God condemn me. Now say this, but I must stop sinning. You know, I see a lot of the people that came forward to give their life to the Lord on Friday here. Maybe this is why the Lord's having me just do like a basic thing on faith. Although a lot of Christians that have been going to church a long time don't know this stuff. A lot of pastors don't know this stuff and teach the opposite. They teach against righteousness. How many know we're all sinners? No, I'm not. So shut up. Don't call me one. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus. My sins are washed away. I'm a new creature. If any man be in Christ, he is a... Well, you'll see it online all the time. God's angry in America. We're being judged. No, we're not. 
I've been pardoned. They'll teach you that in Baptist Sunday school class. The cross was my pardon from judgment. True or false? Okay, so why are you going to go back confessing the other thing that's the opposite of what the Bible teaches? How you know? Then they just beat people down for no reason. How many know we don't pray like we should? Speak for yourself. I pray. I do pray. I pray. So I don't know. Don't, why are you grouping in with me with you? I don't even know who you are. You don't know me. I know I sound like a thug. Getting ready to pick a fight with some imaginary pastor. I mean, no, we also, I mean, no, we don't pray like we should. I mean, no, the American church doesn't fast. I've, I've fast, my friend. Fast plenty. Fast to start every year. Don't group me in with you. Now, if you want to stand up and say, I don't fast and I don't pray, then, then okay, make a confession. Don't group me in with you and don't start giving people this mentality that we all fail God. Now, you won't get that here, which is why I'm telling people to, to, to make this their church, church in the city. Because some people are going to sit in revival for three weeks and get fed and then go somewhere else and get anorexiaized for the rest of the year. You're not going to get one piece of spiritual meat. In fact, you're going to get the opposite. You're going to have people taking food off your plate. You're a sinner. You're unrighteous. You can't, you can't expect God to do anything. If he wants to, it's sovereign. I pray that God would lay a holy fire under your spiritual behind. That I'm not going back into unbelief. I'm going to stay on the path of faith. And I'm going to walk in victory all the days of my life. If that sounds like you, can you shout a living amen? Yeah. Let me ask. I mean, they, they tell you this in psychology. If I'm a football coach and I tell my team before every game, hey, listen, these guys are bigger than us. They're faster than us. We're going to get our rear ends kicked tonight. But um, just do your best. No, they're going to lose. Do you know? Now, try to be like an older generation American that can actually dissect a sentence and not listen to some words and get triggered. Because I'm not, I'm not making this point to go pro-Black Lives Matter or anti-Black Lives Matter or pro-protest or anti-protest. Listen to what I'm saying. There was a sports psychologist. No, he's just a regular psychologist. He had a theory at the beginning of the NFL year. Remember when teams were kneeling for the national anthem? He said, this has nothing to do with the national anthem. None of that. This is what he said from a psychological standpoint. I predict that teams that kneel to start the game will have a losing record. This guy that was saying it wasn't pro-America, pro-flag. He said, because your body posture dictates your mentality and your performance. So he said, you can't take a subservient, weakened, I'm oppressed position and then stand up and play like a champion because you've done something to yourself psychologically. He said, uh, so I predict that teams that do that will have losing records. Do you know that year he was right? The teams that did that, if you add up their records, had losing records, and the team that won the Super Bowl that year was the Philadelphia Eagles, I know I shouldn't be giving that example in Dallas, but I'm from, I'm from Pittsburgh, and we don't like them either. But that's facts. The team that won that year was the Philadelphia Eagles, who made a pact as a team that they are not going to kneel, and they won the Super Bowl. Because they were saying the, the opposite's true, too. Just like this is going to affect your mentality. I'm poor. I'm oppressed. And they'll teach you that in church. So basically, they're teaching you to kneel in the spirit. I mean, you know, we have so many devils against us, and there's just, there's so many forces that are against our children. Let me ask you a question. Did you go into the ministry to talk the devil up? What coach talks the other team up? Just going to tell you guys before we go out there, their wide receivers are much faster than our cornerbacks. 
There's a lot of strong guys on that team. We know we stand no chance. But in the sovereign plan of football, no. Anybody like me go to a high school that had a garbage football team, but your coach still gave you a plan to win the game and told you, if we do this, this, and this, they're weak in this area and we can beat them. And you were sitting there thinking, no, we can't. But the co- the co- any coach is not going to tell you what you can't do. They're going to tell you what you can do. Well, I'm going to tell you something. We're not on a weak, defeated team. We have Jesus Christ as our captain of the ship, and we can do all things. These are facts. Why talk your enemy up? Talk about what's for you. Talk about the covenant. Talk about what God has made a way in your life. Say out loud, I can't be defeated. I will not give up and quit. So, Eagles win it. You know, on the flip side, they said just like how kneeling, would give you a, a, a defeated mentality and, and lead to defeat. That stuff like, if you remember the old middle linebacker, I mean, he's not old, but played a while ago, Ray Lewis. Anybody remember Ray Lewis, the Hall of Fame middle linebacker? Remember how he came out on the field? They say stuff like that actually will translate. In fact, I might start doing it the rest of the week to come preach. Ric Flair stuff. That's right. Oh, okay. We got some wrestling fans here. I feel like they opened up a Buffalo Wild Wings next to the church and some people got confused and came in. But that kind of stuff. I don't know. Now, I'm going old man examples right now. But when I was a little boy and Mike Tyson fought, just <laughs> the fact that he lost so much money paying bodyguards is beyond me. Why did Mike Tyson have bodyguards? Does a lion have bodyguards? The first, the guy would come out in a silk robe with his name written in cursive on the back. He was scared out of his mind. God walking in the ring like this. Then Mike Tyson would wear a white hotel towel with a head hole cut out. Anybody remember? And the look in his eyes, it was like, oh, shoot. I don't know anything about boxing, but whoever this man's fighting is going to die tonight. <laughs> I remember I went to go see, I remember the big fight was Tyson against, um, I hope, and again, people watch now. I almost enjoyed the days better when I was in some country church because I say whatever I want. No one never got out of the building. Because I don't want this to get back to the Spinks family. I'm sure they're great people. But the big fight was Tyson against Le- uh, Leonard Spinks. They were both undefeated. And the, the fight thing was somebody's O has got to go. They, they were both undefeated. So back then, you couldn't... I feel like I'm like a prospector from the 1800s telling young people what life used to be like. Back then in the, what was it, 90, 91, you couldn't go order a fight on your remote control. You had to drive to the cable company and rent a black box and get some... Somebody with a physics degree and an engineering minor to hook it up to your TV and get it to come in. How many of you remember that? So we got it. And then there'd be like 40 people in somebody's 900 square foot house (laughs) to go find out. You know, you're at some guy's house that he's your dad's boss's friend's grandmother's son. (laughs) Why are you here? I'm your um, dad's grandmother's boss's friend's son's son. Good to meet you. And then I remember... They go into the corners, and I was waiting in line as a kid. They had out a redneck, 
uh, hors d'oeuvre set, which was Cool Ranch Doritos and Nacho Doritos. Then you can mix it up, make a little me- Dorito medley. So I'm, I'm, I'm making a nice mixture of Cool Ranch and Nacho Cheese Doritos. And when I turned around, Mr. Spinks was knocked out. I think that fight was 91 seconds. And I'm telling you, if you watch their body language, I don't know if you ever watched the UFC fights, but sometimes <laughs> you look at the two guys and you think, that one guy in that corner, he, number one, he looks a little scared, and number two, he doesn't look like a killer. He looks like a guy that works out and has a nice spray tan. <laughs> then they got another guy in the next corner that looks like he's not all there. And he has like sloppy tattoos and no tan. And he's just looking like off into the distance. And you think, I don't know, man. I think that one guy's going down. Because the one guy's a, a, a killer. He's got, and the, the other guy looks nervous. And, and you can tell. So if they can get you in Christianity where you're the one fighter. You know, how I many know the devil's out there and he, he goes about like a roaring lion, you know, and many of us have had encounters where we're trying to, we're trying to live right, but that devil's out there. You're going to lose every time because the devil sees you. I'm going to tell you this. I believe, I can't remember, uh, we've cast one de- de- demon out of somebody in this meeting and we had one manifest this morning in Pittsburgh. They leave quick. I, I, I'm telling you from doing this for 21 years, they take one look in your eye. And if they can tell by looking in your eye that you know you're Tyson and that they're not even Sphinx, there's some broken down nothing. They see you and they're like, okay, I'm leaving. They're already leaving. You say, out, and out they go. But if they see you, <laughs> praying in fear tongues, oh, then they'll put on a show. I'm 1,100 years old. I'm from Egypt. Who cares? Congratulations. We're all proud of you. Then they go right out. Who you? What's the line that, that my, I heard my wife preach? When it comes to your life, who you think you are in Christ is going to make more of a difference than who you know God is. Now, that hits you the wrong way if you're not hearing me right. I'm not saying you're more important than God. I'm saying... You can believe that God's great. Turn to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers 13. How does that line go exactly, it does? How you view yourself, this is as far as your life goes. When it comes to the outcome of your life, How you view yourself is going to make much more of a difference than how you view God. Because we've all met many Christians that are constantly defeated. But if you got them to, if you ask them about them or about God, they don't have one bad thing to say. Oh, God's great. God's mighty. He's a blind eye opener. He's a cancer healer. Oh, yeah. I believe all that. But then you ask them about them. What about you? Well, I'm a sinner, you know. I'm under a generational curse. We have curses in our bloodline. You're finished. You have a high view of God, but a low view of you. I can already feel religious wheels turning. Somebody's typing in in the comment section right now in all caps, misspelled words. 
Because if you want to know the truth about it, religion doesn't mind if you, if you get to know that God's powerful as long as you never get a revelation of what that power has made you. The Bible, God, the devil doesn't mind if you believe God's holy as long as you never get a revelation that the blood that he shed made you holy even as he's holy. But I thank God we're going to raise up a group of Texans tonight that not only know they serve the Most High God, but that they're seated with Christ in heavenly places far above. Somebody say, I'm coming up higher. Numbers 13. Adonis, do me a favor, because I'm going to switch my notes. I'm, I was going to cover five things. I'm just going to cover one thing. Can you look up in my notepad there? Look, just search who I am in Christ. There should be four confessions. Where I, where I'm, who I am in Christ, where I'm seated in Christ, something like that. But if you do who I am in Christ, it'll come up. Numbers 13, verse 1. How many are you getting something out of tonight? What great people worth preaching to. You know, I've told you my first and second grade teacher comes to about every Sunday, sits in the first or second row, and I just see a different kind of smile on her face. Because for whatever C-R-A-P she had to deal with in her teaching career, she can at least sit there and the devil can't make her think, well, you never did anything. Those kids don't even remember. Because she knows I remember, and I'm pastor of that ever-growing church. And she can sit there and think, I had a part in that. And she did. And I know how she feels because I know in my spirit, this word is going into people tonight, women tonight, that you're going to be the first one to break out of your family. Uh, 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 all the things negative that ran in your family. You're going to, it only takes one person to be the first. There's women, many women here like that, that you're going to leave out of these meetings and take the world for Christ. There's going to be men in these meetings, the things that used to stop you, they'll never stop you again in Jesus' name. Found it or didn't find it? Yeah, and then there's three more. Yep, that's it. Thanks. A small hand clap for my lovely assistant in the front row. Who John marked me in week two, but is back Barnabasing me now. I just knocked out of it. I slid it over. Remember, I'm from the 80s. Numbers 13. The Lord now said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I'm giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He sent out 12 men, all tribal leaders from Israel, from their camp in the wilderness of Paran. These were the tribes of the, were the tribes in the names of their leaders. So there they are. 16. Numbers 13, 16. These are the names of the men Moses sent out to explore the land. Moses called Hosea, son of Nun, by the name Joshua. Moses gave the men these instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. Go north through the Negev into the hill country. See what the land is like. 
Find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls or are they unprotected like open camps? 20. Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring back samples of the crops you see. 21. So they went up and explored the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob near Labo Hamath. Going north, they passed through the Negev and arrived at Hebron, where Ahaman, Sheshai, and Talmai, all descendants of Anak, lived. The ancient town of Hebron was founded seven years before the Egyptian city of Zoan. When they came to the valley of Eshel, do you know why it takes all the time to do that painstaking detail of what town they're in and what the people's names are? Because these are real things that happen. These aren't storybook. This happened. Can you say amen? When they came to the valley of Eshkel, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes, so large that it took two of them to carry it on a pole between them. They also brought back samples of the pomegranates and figs. That place was called the valley of Eshel, which means cluster, because of the cluster of grapes the Israelite men cut there. 25. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned. So Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it was indeed a bountiful country. By the way, they were never sent as to whether they could do it or not. Just what it had and the best way to launch the attack. But then they come back. It is a bountiful country, just like God said. A land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there, check this out. But the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let us go at once. And take the land. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land disagreed. It's like a church board meeting. We're not able to go out against them. They're stronger than we are. It's very important for you to know. This is not Moses just deciding to go take a land. This is the land that God personally told every one of these people that this land belongs to you. And they said... No, we're not able. I don't care what God says. I don't care what Caleb and Joshua said. We say we're not able. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If, if, if it was true what I grew up hearing in church, how we know whatever God wants to happen is going to happen. Amen. If that's true, answer this for me. How many of the 1.3 million Israelites was it God's will to go into the promised land? How many of them? How many went in? Two families. So if whatever God wants to happen, happens, then you got some explaining to do about Numbers 13 and 14, along with a lot of other stories. Because God wanted everybody to go in. I got another question for you. How long did God, did Jesus want Peter to walk on the water with him before he would drown? How long, if Jesus had his way, how long did he want Peter to walk? The whole time. Did he walk the whole time? Why? 
Because Peter did the same thing in the New Testament that these people did in the Old Testament. He got his eyes on the surrounding circumstances instead of on the Word. Jesus is the Word made flesh. They were given the Word through Moses. Caleb and Joshua said, I don't care that there's giants in the land. If God said it belongs to me, if God said we're able, that I'm not confessing anything else, we can do what God said we can do, and we can have what God said we can have. And every person has to, your life's going to be defined by what group you fall into. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this evil report of unbelief. An evil report. What did Jesus say? The sin of the world is adultery. No. The sin of the world is murder. No. Though those are sins. The sin of the world is their unbelief in me. Not believing what God said. I believe God can bless you, but I think, I think Jonathan goes a little overboard. Oh, yeah? You ever read about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? I go underboard. I haven't even begun to scratch the surface yet. You know, how many of you saw that video of when, when we... Surprised Abraham that's been traveling with me with that Mercedes when the plane landed. You know, you know, one reason I like to give this is not the top reason, this is like 1A. I like to tick off that religious spirit that wants you kept low. You'd be amazed how there's people in the comments. Oh, you have the video? Go ahead, roll it. Just in case you don't know what I'm talking about. This is what we landed on. Have you ever reacted like that when you bought a car for yourself? No. You drive home like this. Somebody say it with me. It's more blessed to give than to receive. You know, the blessing stays with the giver in a multitude of ways. You'd think if people saw that. Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice. Well, you got no, no unsafe people. Just, just some church people. That money could have been used other ways. Oh, weren't you there when the lady broke the alabaster box over Jesus' feet? Is that you? You're 2,000 years old, you devil. That money could have been used to give to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor, for he often stole from it himself. Oh, yeah, but you'll watch the prices right. Watch him give away all kinds of stuff and just clap like a seal. But then if the people of God do it, you, you, you have your little religious thing flares up. Casinos can do it. The Price is Right can do it. But God forbid, you know, those kind of people are so not worth even considering because there's nothing you can do to make them happy. If I never do what I just did, then he keeps all the money. Then you give it away. You should give the money to those less fortunate. Um, 
Abraham's not less fortunate like a, a poor person. But he's one year out of Bible college. He's not more fortunate than me. I wasn't sewing, sewing that car to him hoping he, he can open doors up for me. No, that was done the exact thing God said to do. But there's something about that freaking religious devil. It won't let you rise. It'll criticize you if you help others to rise. But this room is not full of those type of people. This room is full of people that have made up their mind. I'm not allowing anything to box me in. I'm going higher in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe it, can you say amen? And I know there's people here because I've been around you for going on three weeks now. That you saw that and said, I'd like to do that one day. You'll do it before the year's over. As soon as it comes in your heart, God will put it in your hand. If you believe that, well, go ahead. Take 15 seconds and clap your hands. You will be great in Jesus' name. You will be great in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe it, shout, I receive it. Yeah, good people comment. Where did you get the money to do that? From my right front pocket. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. You know, you know one of the things that if you lose, it actually takes a major bullet out of the devil's chambers. If you lose the ability for that religious spirit to make you feel bad or make you feel like you owe an explanation, some of you go to churches now, not this one, some of you go to churches now or have in the past, where if you drove up in a new car, you had to give an explanation to three people on the way in. Is that a new car? It is. Is it yours? It is. Where'd you get it? The car store. How? They sell them to anybody. But no, you, there's that like underlying thing where you have to explain your blessing away. Well, um, you know, my one son's an attorney and he, he kind of blessed me for Father's Day and I was able to, uh, uh, you, just, you don't know anybody an explanation for anything. Here's a thought. Why go to a church where people condemn your blessing and celebrate your poverty? Why not go to a church where people rejoice, that love to see you rise higher? That's what this week is. We're not looking to see you sick and broke. We're seeing to get you healed and blessed and be a marker for your generation in Jesus' name. And you're going to do it. Say it so your own spirit can hear it. I'm going to do it. This evil report of unbelief about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour. Listen to what they said. We'll devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. It's like. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. What does it say to the King James? There we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight. I had a lady in my church that wanted to meet with me. Abraham was there. How come you don't ever deal with the oppression that people face from the from government and, and that certain people are racist? I said, that stuff has been here and won't be here till the New Jerusalem. If you think that the covenant can get trumped by racism or by people who don't like you, you don't understand the Bible. 
You need to read that in Egypt, the Bible says, not they didn't like Hebrews, they hated Hebrews. But whether it was Daniel or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or whoever else you want to read, Joseph, if God blesses you, anyone that has it out to curse you is wasting their time. You cannot curse who God has blessed. And I'm sorry, I apologize, that there are ministers who stand behind a pulpit and make people feel like victims. I mean, now there's a system out there that keeps us down. There is a system out there to keep us down. But guess what? Jesus busted that system's rear end. He broke its power. He's raised on high. And he's given that power to anybody that wants to come up higher, no matter who you are, Jew and Gentile, slave or free. Somebody shout hallelujah. Man, I feel this thing tonight. I mean, you can feel your faith level rising. So what they say? There we saw giants. And we, it doesn't say, it doesn't say the giants said we looked like grasshoppers. They said we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And that's what the Holy Ghost, with all those notes I had, the thing the Holy Ghost wants me to deal with tonight is you feeling like a grasshopper in your own sight. I've seen all these teenagers come in like every service. Do you know when I would preach youth camps back in olden days? I would meet teenagers and the first words out of their mouth. I have ADHD. I don't test well. And I have scoliosis. They just are like, it's like they've just taught you. That's demonic. Give you a little ribbon to wear on your shirt to celebrate whatever disease you have. Become a part of that disease community. Join a disease support group. You know, that man that was crippled for 38 years sat by all the people that were sick for 38 years by that pool. And he never left that pool until somebody came that had power over that thing. You don't rise out of poverty by having a poverty discussion with all broke people. You don't rise out of disease by hanging around other diseased people that that don't have power to break out. You have to get around somebody that has what Jesus had. That said, you don't belong at this pool. Stand up, take up your mat, and walk. You're not a grasshopper. You got Christ on the inside of you. Somebody say, I'm not a grasshopper. Yeah, that's why I never took karate lessons from Mr. Miyagi. Don't call me a grasshopper. Somebody say, don't call me a grasshopper. I mean, no, we're oppressed. Watch the wee part. I'm not oppressed. I'm blessed. You know those shirts that everybody used to wear? Too blessed to be stressed. People need to start making new ones and say, too blessed to be oppressed. Too blessed to be sick. Too blessed to struggle. Too blessed for any plan made at any level to keep me down. I am blessed of the most high God. And you cannot curse who God is blessed. Come on, I don't hear anybody in here. You can't curse who God has blessed. You can't curse. Shout it out, I'm blessed. There we saw the giants, the sons of Anak. And we were in our own sight. We're poor. We don't have any money. We can't afford that. There's things you better strip. Death and life is in the power of what? So if you're going to go into your promised land, 
There needs to be things that exit your vocabulary. Don't say, I can't afford that. Say, I'll be back for you later. Or just go to San Francisco and take it for free. Up to you, it's legal. We can't afford that. It's free in San Francisco. You go right now, have all you want. That's true. He's encouraging shoplifting. No, they're encouraging shoplifting. I'm just encouraging you to let them see how stupid their theories are. Can you say amen? amen? All right, you don't have to amen that. We'll just move on. Don't say, I can't afford that. Who would ever eat at a restaurant like that? The price is there. Have you been there? No, but I've heard other broke people talk like that, so I'm just repeating what I've heard. You think, let me, let me ask you something, child of God. You think some cigar smoking, laggle out, sitting with his mistress can eat somewhere and you can't? You belong with the best. You're made for the top. That's not me talking. That's the Bible talking. You're the child of a king. You're not the descendants of poverty or whatever they want to make you. Jesus is your elder brother. The most high God is your father. And you have royalty in your blood. Somebody say, I belong at the top. Say, my older brother's royalty. Which makes me royalty. Now, if you start confessing that and believing that, you're going to be talking about no giants. You're going to be standing tall, walking differently. Keep me in prayer. No, no, no. You don't need kept in prayer. You need a faith injection. You're not meant to look like the third guy from the left on the evolution chart. There's going to be people here tonight, you're going, to lose, you're going to leave the keep me in prayer company forever. Your ticket to the keep me in prayer club is revoked as of today. No one's going to have to keep you in prayer. You're going to begin praying for other people and pulling them out of whatever pit they're in. You're so much, you're made for so much more than where you're at now. You know, my, my wife's in the front row. I'm so glad I married her. I'm glad, I'm glad when, I, when I made this, re, re, this discovery in the Bible. You know what happened one day? I was doing my devotions. And I read in Galatians chapter 3. Everything God promised Abraham belongs to you. Okay. If that's true, and it is, then let me go back and make a discovery. Let me go from Genesis chapter 12 verse 1. To when Abraham dies and make a list on a yellow legal pad of everything that God promised Abraham. And I started finding out I wasn't living anywhere near where God said I could live. So I could have been like a normal person and went, well, I guess that's, you know, must be like an allegory or have some kind of hidden meaning. No, I'm not into hidden meanings. No one, even people that don't like my preaching, no one can ever leave and say, you know, I don't really care for him. I don't understand what he's really trying to say. No, I speak clearly. I like when people speak clearly. I don't like getting, you know, when I was in school or at work, I don't like getting called into a disciplinary meeting and, hey, how's everything? Hey, listen, I know you didn't call me in here to ask me how everything's going. What's the meeting about? Who said what? What went wrong? Tell me. Let's get to the point. That's how we speak in my, I mean, you heard my dad speak. My dad used to discipline me, speaking to me. I got rebuked in three points. You've been disrespectful. 
Your conduct's been detrimental. You know, it'd be like all D's. Then an altar call at the end, which ended with my paddling. Amen. No, I, I like straight talk. You know, God's a straight talker. Be fruitful and multiply. There's no two ways to interpret that. Heal the sick, cast out devils. Freely you've received, freely give. You, that's, not, that's not difficult to understand. If, anyone, if any man wants to be my follower, he must deny himself, short, take up his cross daily, set aside his selfish ambition and follow me. Not difficult to understand. God is a plain talker. So you don't have to dig around. Now, what it, when it said that you're healed, that means spiritual. No, it doesn't. Jesus didn't heal spiritual sicknesses when he laid his hands on people. He healed blindness. He healed deafness. He healed paralyzed limbs. He meant what he said, and he said what he meant. So I made up my mind when I read that I am the seed of Abraham, and everything God promised him belongs to me. And it said, and God blessed Abraham, and he became very rich. Everybody say very rich. In livestock, silver, and gold. And I had no livestock, no silver, no gold, no dollars. An overdrawn bank account. I made up my mind. I'm not going to, well, yes, you know, that must have been. No. Okay. What do you do? Like on a night like tonight. When you see a gulf, Adonis, uh, Camila, help me out. You stand here facing the wall. No, no, that's a, um, that wall. Camila is where God says I can live. She's in victory. She has plenty of money. She's not sad. She's happy. Her family's being held together. They're not having trouble in the family. The kids are whole. The marriage is whole. And I read that, that I can have that in the Bible. But I'm over here. I'm broke. I got a 90-day payment plan on this cowboy hat. Somebody's threatening to repossess my cowboy hat. And then not only, not only do I have that going on, I got church people that I'm pouring my heart out to and they're laughing at me. Can't get any sympathy from anybody. My marriage is hurting. My car needs registered and I can't afford the money it's going to take to get it registered. What do I do when I see God says I can be there, but I'm here? Well, I got two choices. I can do what nine out of 10 churches and people do. Well, I guess that's not for today. And the devil goes, Hallelujah. Keep preaching that to people. Don't tell them they can have what the Bible says they can have. Tell them that was for Jewish people only. That died when Christ died. That's not for today. Or I can make up my mind. I'm here. But the Bible says I'm here. So I, I'm going to go there. Well, how do you go? You can't jump into riches. You can't run into riches. The power of life and death. Death and life is in the power of the? So the way I get from here to there. In the Old Testament, they had to kill giants and get to the land God told them. But in the New Covenant, I don't put my physical feet. I put my words on what God says is mine. So I start refusing to say, it's hard. My marriage isn't working. And I start to call my marriage blessed. And call my wife blessed. And instead of calling my son an addict, I call him saved in Jesus' name. I don't call, I'm not broke. The riches of Christ belong to me. And you say, but Jonathan, the, yeah, I know. But the truth is I am broke. 
Say this out loud. I'm never wrong when I quote God. So again, how many of you were here last week for any services? Faith is not calling those things which are as though they're not. I'm not poor. I'm not poor. I'm not poor. No, it's calling those things which are not as though they are. If God says that all the riches through Christ Jesus belong to me to provide all my needs, then I'm not wrong to say, thank you, Father, that all my needs are supplied according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus. And how do I get from back here broke at the podium to blessed where she's at in that jacket? I get my words in that direction. I am blessed. I am healed. I am strong. I have sight. I can do all things through Christ. And before you know it, you're standing right where God said you could stand because you've turned your mouth around from saying we can't do it to I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Man, I feel faith coming alive in this room. I feel faith. Go ahead, take 30 seconds, clap, shout. Let the devil know you're going to your promised land. I don't care what giants are there. I don't care what walls are there. Somebody shout hallelujah. We'll say it right out loud. The Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. Now lift your hands and just begin to thank God out of your mouth. That's the first thing you can start doing, thanking God out of your mouth. Instead of using your mouth to complain and talk about giants, you can start saying, thank you, God, that you're for me, that you give me the desires of my heart, that I can do all things because you give me strength. Come on, with your hands, let's begin to speak. I'm going somewhere. I'm not going to lose my family. I'm not going down. I'm going up. He that began a good work in me shall bring it to completion. Spirit of faith, receive that spirit of faith now in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, one more time. Clap your hands to the Lord and give him a mighty, mighty shout. Come on, a mighty, mighty shout. Thank you, lovely assistant. Something has to pop in you. Say out loud, I belong at the top. Say this, increase is not my ambition. It's my birthright. I'm in that family. I belong at the top. Yeah, you know, Joseph saw himself that way. He was a slave, but never conducted himself as a slave. He was a prisoner, but never conducted himself as a prisoner. He conducted himself as a prince in prison. And the call came, and he became prince with no election. Went to bed one night a prisoner, and then became prime minister. The devil wants you to dip to your surroundings. I would preach at some churches early in our ministry. You can ask my wife. The place was beat to shreds. There was hardly anybody there. The crowd would then drop Monday. I had an uphill battle. Well, you know when that happens? Dingy church. Pastor's dingily dressed and has told you two times, we're just casual here. I'd go to get ready for the Tuesday night service. I'm broke. The church isn't looking good. The meetings aren't going well. I feel like throwing on a hoodie and some shorts and hey dudes. 
and saying, hey guys, just gonna share a few, and I got uh, like nine pairs of hey dudes, so I'm not looking to make an enemy with eight out of every nine men in Texas. I'm just making a point, but not to preach. I feel like wearing just some comfortable clothes, saying, I'm not gonna be long tonight, just share a few thoughts, but you know what I'd do? I'd get my best suit. If, if I wasn't wearing a tie, I'd start wearing a tie. I'd say, no, the devil's trying to get me to go down. I'm going to go in the other direction. I'm going to dress like I'm the head of Kenneth Copeland, Jerry Savelle, and Jesus' ministries. I'm going to show up looking like Joseph did in prison, like I actually don't belong here. I'm going somewhere higher. Y'all are welcome to stay at this level if you want, but I'm not dressing. I'm not dressing to be here. I'm not dressing for where I'm at now. I'm dressing for where I'm going. Hey, Abraham, stay standing. You know, that's my assistant, Abraham. You know, there's no dress code. Look at him. Looks like he should be on the cover of every issue of Ebony Magazine. Fortune 500. Business Insider. True or false? Yeah, he's not dressing for the job he has. He's dressing to be president of Ghana. Looks better. Looking better than the politicians in West Africa. Yeah, he's got a revelation of who he is. And look where it took him. Because when I first met him, he would, <laughs> hallelujah. You're going somewhere, my brother. And, I, and I'm sad to say it because I like having you around. But you're going high. You're going higher. You're going higher. Do you, know, do you know he came to my meetings in Oklahoma and Texas back when he was a Ramah student? He'd be dressed just like that. Sharp. Happy. Sitting on the front as, front, as close to the front as they'd let him sit. Edge of the seat, taking it all in. I thought, man, he must come from, he must come from money. He, I, don't, I don't know what he, I didn't know he's from, I didn't know he's from overseas. People overseas got plenty of money. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, you never knew. I didn't know he was sleeping in his car to come to the meeting because he couldn't get a hotel. You couldn't see it on his face. No mention was ever made of it. Hey, it was nice hearing you preach. I don't know if you could help me get back. No. He looked just like that back then. And look what happened. He kept his joy. Everybody say, keep your joy. Now I'm flowing. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And joy is a people magnet. Joy is a provision magnet. There are people, Steve, Steve Harvey is not a multi-multi-millionaire because he's done well in physics or because he got a real high up government job. All he does is make people and he sure does. Hosting Family Feud, I, I, I laughed myself a six-pack of abs. Yeah, make people laugh. Make people enjoy to be around you. People pay 50 grand in appearance, 100 grand in appearance to have a comedian come and cheer them up for 20 minutes. How do people feel when they're in your presence for 20 minutes? Do they feel energized or do they have to take a nap after you're done talking to them for six minutes? Some of you have family like that. Phone rings. Uh Hello? Hey, it's Ann Esther. Hi, hi, Ann Esther. I know I'm supposed to ask you now how you're doing, but I'd rather fling myself out a third-story window because you're going to tell me the same freaking thing you've been telling me for the last 20 years. There's people that call you that after six minutes, you have to take a nap. Okay, and Esther, nice talking to you. And down you go. They're like human NyQuil. 
And there's other people that when you get around them, it's one of the, it's, and I'm not looking to pat myself on the back at all, but it's one of the things that, that makes me happy. You don't have that, um, uh, Miss Chloe, you don't have that sound clip I played in church today. No, you know, I got it. You do have it or don't have it? I don't expect you to. I was just seeing if you're operating in the gifts or not. I got this this morning. I thought I'd give you a voice note. Um, I've been following along on your um, sermons and it really has impacted my life. Um, The last few months have not been easy, even though it looks like it has been, but... um, just three weeks ago. It looks like it's been easy because I, I follow her. I, I preach in Africa. This is a lady from Angola, young lady. She just got into Harvard Business School. When she flies over, she flies over business class. So when she says it looks like it's been easy, she doesn't look like she's struggling. Um, I actually tried to take my own life because it, it, was, it was such a dark, dark time. And I'm still feeling very, very dark over the last few months. But... I just started listening to your sermons and um, they really, it's all that I listen to and slowly but slowly I've, I've, I mean, it's all I listen to. I I, I even stopped working for the last few weeks actually. Um, I would like to ask if you, so the, Last message got cut off. Yeah, I own a diamond mine and we started producing diamonds last month. Um, In our first two trials, we've already got a few solid carrots going. And um, I'm hoping that by November, I would have uh, sufficient carrots and enough to be able to do really big sales. I'm working with some buyers in New York and I just want to say that my first cash in from this mine it's going into your ministry and your work and i and i really hope that it would be um over a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars that i can give into your ministry and into you personally because even though i haven't met you your ministry has really touched my life and um i will be in the states the first week of all I'm honored, I play that because I'm honored that somebody that's thinking of killing themselves, if they listen to me on YouTube, they stop thinking about killing themselves and they start thinking about life and business endeavors. That's what the gospel is supposed to do. It's a healing river. It's a river of life, a river. We sing a song growing up in church. I have a river of life flowing out of me, makes the lame to walk in the, why do you think? Potiphar's wife asked her husband if Joseph could live in the hay. Don't have him stay in the slave quarters. Have him stay with us. Yeah, she was attracted to him. But what attracted him? I guarantee he wasn't moping around with his chin dragging the floor. You know, I think life wasn't supposed to work out this way. My, my brothers tried to kill me and sold me into slavery. No, no, no. He's happy. Happy. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Let me tell you something. If you've ever been, and I've been there, brother, a children's pediatric cancer center, there's no joy. 
The parents are all sitting there waiting to see if their kid's going to live or die. The devil hates joy. And I, now it's one thing if it's like that in a cancer center, but then you go into some churches, it has the same spirit because it's got that religious spirit of death. That's why some of you have come to church eight times in the last eight days, and you hadn't gone to church for years before that because you were going to some church that was dead and dry, and you thought if they, even if this stuff's true, if it's this depressing and boring, it feels like they're having Jesus' funeral in here. This can't be real, but somehow you got around the joy of the Lord, and it set you free, and something's rising up in you saying, no, I'm going to make it. I'm not staying on the mat of life. I'm going to tighten the tape on my gloves, put my mouthpiece back in. I'm going to win my fight in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody shout joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. I'm sure I told you this in years past that it bears repeating. If my mother would send, would, would, would overnight my report cards from Christian school, they almost all said the same thing. Very respectful, laughs too much. Because Christians hate joy. It's a wonder I have, not Christian leaders, I'll say. It's a wonder I have a ministry. I'm supposed to be, I mean, you know, we all fail him every day. It's in the storms where we learn to trust him. They love that stuff, looking like they're baptized in pickle juice. Then I got sent to public school when we moved to Maine. My teachers loved it. Called a meeting, special meeting, tell my mom, your son's so funny, makes me laugh all the time. My English teacher would make me stay after class and just say, make me laugh. You know, that's hard to do on demand. He would do it every day. So I started staying up and watching David Letterman and writing material so I could just come in and make him laugh. I had like a three-minute set ready after English class. He'd say, I'll write you past your next class that you're going to be late. Just make me laugh. And then he's working. He's a, the last I knew, he was a border patrol guard on the main Canada border. My sister was driving back home to Quebec, and he was the guard. He said, Shuttlesworth? I taught a Shuttlesworth. She said, oh, yeah, that's my brother, Jonathan. That kid's funny. What's he doing now? My sister said, yeah, he's like kind of a preacher. Where's a cowboy hat? We're not sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then they teach in Bible college. Shelve all this. You know, that, doesn't, that humor doesn't belong in the pulpit. <laughs> talk out your finances and talk angry. Don't make this laughter. Have no place. No. Happy are the people. In his presence is fullness of? Fullness of? Oh, yeah. Try telling that to religious people. They sit in Rodney Howard Brown meetings. Why is everyone laughing? Because they're happy. Happy. They're the opposite of you. There's no, there's no joy in prison. I've been there. I've preached there. There's no joy in cancer centers. That's the devil's place. He's the author of sickness and disease. He's the author of the devil. There's no, there's no joy in rehab houses, methadone clinics, halfway houses. It's tight. There's no joy in religion. Many churches, you can go every Sunday. It feels like they're having Jesus' funeral. How many of you had a hard week? They still got him up on the cross, hanging on the cross, sad with his ribcage showing. Have they not read the end of the Bible? He's not anorexic 
pinned to a cross. He conquered the cross. He conquered the grave. He's alive. He lives forevermore. He's the most high, King of kings and Lord of lords. If you know his name, shout it out. Jesus. Put that scripture back up, Numbers 13 or whatever. Last verse. There we saw the giants, and we were in our own sight. We were what? Let me ask you a question. What are you in your own sight? Who said that? Who said overcomers? She gets the quiet seat press. She gets one piece of candy out of the treasure chest. <laughs> overcomers. You know what? Rather than just think of random superlatives, let's do, let's do what our sister did there. Think of what does the Bible say I am? This is not about having a positive self-image. This is about choosing to believe what the Bible says about me. I love joy. I'm a joy addict. You'll see me under a bridge in Fort Worth tonight at one in the morning looking for joy, but they don't sell it there. So I go back home. I'm a joy addict. I like joy. What an awful illustration. Everybody say joy. What's heaven like? The Bible says there'll be no more crying. No more tears. No more pain. For the old order of things has passed away forever. Where's that? Heaven. Yeah, but that's in heaven. And Jesus said, pray that my will that's done in heaven be done where? I don't have to wait till I go to heaven to have heaven, brother. I can have heaven on earth right now. I prophesy this week. I open it up in the prophetic. This is a week of heaven on earth. Heaven's going to follow you home. Heaven's going to dwell in your home. Heaven's going to follow you to work. Heaven's going to go where you go. This is going to be a week of miracles. No more crying. No more sadness. No more pain. This is a week of joy unspeakable. Somebody say, I got joy. Joy. I like joy. That's, you know, I, that's why I got Abraham a car, to be honest with you. I like joy. I like watching that. Money, I make you happy. Okay, tell Abraham that. <laughs> well, you can make people. That's one, of the, that's one of the great things about having money. Money gives you the ability to create pleasant experiences for yourself, your family, and others. Now money's for the gospel. The gospel creates pleasant experiences for yourself, your family, and others. You can do things with money. Help people out. You can put a smile on people's faces. That's why God wants you blessed. He blesses you because he loves you, and he blesses you so you can be used as his asset on earth to turn people's stiff faces that have gone through hard, hard, hard things and fill them with joy. Hallelujah. I see you being God's agent of joy this week. People, let me tell you something. As sure as I'm standing here in an uncreased cowboy hat like a northerner, because nobody told me about that until I've been wearing it for three days. <laughs> not only are you not going to battle depression this week, nobody that comes in your presence is going to be able to stay depressed. Can you say amen? You're going to have a wellspring of joy. Can I tell you something? Adalis, when we're on the road and we meet ministers, what's the number one way we spot when a minister's in sin? They're not happy. They're never happy. 
They might preach well. They might have big ministries, but they're miserable because sin takes joy. So you can spot them. They're not happy. Even when they smile, their eyes don't smile. Can I always, there's no glimmer. In, play Abraham. I'll show you what joy looks like. Play Abraham one more time. This is joy in, in a human body. Pause it real quick. Pause. You know what got me to start using those planes? The stuff I'm preaching to you right now. Yeah? Preacher can't have that? So you're telling me that in God's plan, Jeffrey, those jets were created so Jeffrey Epstein could use them to molest children? But the preacher can't use it to have the gospel? Oh, no. Say it out loud. I belong at the top. Now say this. Joy, Joy is my ticket to the top. Anybody ever worked at a job where there was a guy that got promoted that had no idea what he was doing, but he made the boss laugh and people liked him? Oh, yeah? Well, instead of fighting, he just makes me, you know, listen, you know, I'm a preacher. Listen to preachers. Joel Osteen, I doesn't make people laugh. Why don't you try it, Grimace? I preach the real gospel. No, you don't. You preach depression. You make people sad. No one likes you. Those are my th three summaries of your ministry. Yeah. He gets up there, opens with a joke. Yeah, some people, it's the only funny thing they'll hear all week. Their husbands mean to them. Their children are mean to them. Their bosses mean to them. Christians can't figure it out. That's why the Pharisees and Sadducees hated Jesus. You know, if you read Luke 13, the Bible says there was a woman who was bent double and had been that way for 18 years, crippled up. Jesus touched her, and she stood straight up. Next sentence. Oh, how she praised God! Exclamation point. God didn't get glory when she was sick. God got glory when she was healed. I mean, I'm telling you tonight. This is my favorite, by the way, this is my favorite night. Whether it's yours or not, it's my favorite night. I got my uh, airplane mode on. Let me see if I, if, if I can work this or not. You know when Abraham get, got this plane? I got a message, a private message from one of the baggage handlers at that airport. You think, if you do that, people know you're a preacher. They don't want to come to your church. I got three messages from three different baggage handlers. I thought that was so great. Where's your church? Then one guy in particular, won't say his name. As soon as that happened, message me. Hopefully we connect soon, or I can make it out to church again soon. It came on Easter. Been dealing with a lot of mental struggles and fighting a lot of things mentally. Honestly, I'm lucky to even be here after last week. There's two. So there's same freaking devil in Angola is the same one in Pittsburgh. But the same Jesus in Africa is the same Jesus in America. You're only one prayer away from a miracle. I wrote, please go in the morning, not connect sometime soon. Sometime soon will get you killed. Connect to the fountain of life and never disconnect. I don't go to church anymore because whatever the next words are, are stupid words. I don't go to church anymore because they offended me. Is there one church? You know, there's more. 
It's like when I was watching that satanic convention, that lady ripped up one Bible. It's like, you know that we have more, right? And you know how upset she got with you? There's one in my hotel drawer. Yes, they're all over the world. Son of a gun. I wrote priority one is your spiritual life, which affects your mind. If your spirit's wrong, your, your mind's not going to be right. And if your spirit's right, <laughs> gentlemen, my mind is so peaceful, it freaks me out. There's literally no news. I'm telling you a fact. This wouldn't have been true two years ago, but I've grown. There's no news you could give me right now that would even make me in any way troubled. Jonathan, they just seized all your bank accounts and assets because they don't like what you're preaching. The government took it. Okay, tell them to enjoy it. I didn't do anything to get what I had. Jesus gave it to me. So if they can steal what Jesus wants me to have, then I'll accept the the federal government into my heart as my Lord and Savior since they can override Jesus. No, I'd have the exact same thing like Isaac did in Genesis 26. I'd have the exact same thing right away. Plus the thief would have to give it back seven times. Hey, they said they're going to arrest you if you keep doing that. Okay, I'll carry on doing what I'm doing here right in prison. Grow a church in there till, till, till they get everybody saved. And they kick me out because they're having to lay off guards because there's no problem. You know, I was holding meetings at a prison in Pittsburgh, preaching faith like I'm preaching to you, talking to people like they're intelligent. Not talking to them like, like they're dumb criminals or whatever. Talking to them like they're intelligent men created in the image of God. Leaving Brother Hagin's faith book, workbook so they had something to occupy their mind while I was gone. Come back the next time, and the warden tells me they've had two incidents in one month that they had to write up. They normally had several a day. Guys apologizing to guards. Sorry for how I've treated you. I won't be doing that anymore. Oh, yeah. Oh, you put me anywhere. That thing's not going to affect me. I'm going to affect that thing. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm telling you right now. If, if the Lord called me to Yemen, some country where they kill Christians on the spot, it wouldn't happen to me. I'd go over and start preaching. I wouldn't have little secret house meetings. I'd have my faith out that some sheik who's there running oil, who's got a son on heroin, just like people do here. It's the same devil. God would use me to get his son delivered. When he found out, how were you able to do that? And I tell him about Jesus. That sheik make an exception for me, like Nebuchadnezzar did for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm telling you, wherever the sole of my foot shall tread, I'm on land that God's given to me. Unless, everything I'm telling you is works, unless you allow that person to make you not joyful. Then you lose the secret sauce. Now you're just an easily conquerable bum. My supervisor hates me. Don't let it steal your joy. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. You think Paul in his flesh, (laughs) he was in his 60s. Not that you feel especially good when you get beaten and thrown in jail in your 20s. Beaten and thrown in jail in your 60s? You think he felt in his flesh like singing praises to God? But he didn't live out of his flesh. He lived out of his spirit. And he did the opposite of what the devil was trying to get him to do. He didn't sit in prison and go, how am I an apostle? And they treat me like this. I don't understand why God would allow. No, no, no. They prayed and sang. Sang what? Did, uh, did the chains fall off and the prison doors open and the earthquake hit when they prayed? No. It did it when they what? 
sang. They prayed and sang praises unto God. Acts 16. They prayed and sang praises unto God. It didn't happen when they prayed. I want to tell you a story. There was a missionary. This is a true story. In the early part of the 1900s, this was in two Pentecostal periodicals. She got the smallpox, uh, smallpox before there was a smallpox vaccine. So they put her in quarantine. She's shut in a room, supposed to be preaching, and she's covered in smallpox. And so she starts praying. Praise one day. Praise two days. Still has them. And as she's praying the second day, Jesus walks into the room through the door and says, holding the old-fashioned scales of justice. And on one side, side it said prayer. And on the other side it said praise. Prayer was weighted to the bottom and praise was empty. And Jesus said, when your praise catches up with your prayer, there'll be an earthquake. And many people have prayed, but they've never given God any praise. Praise is stirring yourself. And Paul prayed and sang praises unto God. And they weren't quiet praises. They, let me get the band back up here. Sang praises unto God. Everybody say, sang praises unto God. Say, the other prisoners heard them. So then, now, now Barnabas, you know, let's use wisdom. We are in prison. It's almost midnight. No, they prayed. Now think how they had to be singing. If other prisoners heard them, they weren't in a sheetrock prison. They were in a stone dungeon. And you could hear them down the hallways of the stone singing, I know the Lord has made a way for me. Praising God. You know, praise is not worship. Praise is loud, vocal, demonstrative. Let everything that has breath, praise them with everything that is within me. Praise his holy name. Prayed and sang praises unto God, and the other prisoners heard them. Don't play, don't play it quite yet. I'm going to give you the cue to let it rip. Everybody say prayer and praise. Just keep me in prayer. How about, we've already prayed. How about start lifting up holy hands? Letting us shout out. They didn't, listen now. They didn't pray the walls of Jericho down. They shouted the walls of Jericho down. There is an irresistibility of joy. I'm telling you, without me even knowing it, I never set out to do one thing I did for Abraham. And that car is not the only thing. He was part-time, made him full-time, gave him a raise. Now the car, I, I gave him a ton of suits. I hadn't done that for any of my other assistants. The guy's always smiling. 12.45 at night after service. Sir, that was a great message. Even if he's lying, it feels good. <laughs> Never looks sad. Never seen him sad. The devil, part of what he does... Somebody in your family's always been sick. Finances have never been right. It takes your joy. But all it takes is one move of the Holy Ghost, who is the spirit of joy, to wipe away your tears and put some on the inside of you, and you make up your mind like David. They may have taken everything I have like they did to David, but David encouraged himself in the Lord and danced with all his might, and he pursued overcame and recovered all. I see you taking back everything the devil stole. I see you taking back everything the devil stole. Go ahead and stay on your feet. Say with me, prayed and sang praises unto God. And the other prisoners heard them.
This is Acts 16. And suddenly, there was a massive earthquake. You don't have to repeat the rest. I won't wear you out yet. Suddenly, there was what? Now, how do you read that scripture and preach to people? So how many know Paul and Silas were put in prison? We don't know why things take so long, but sometimes we just wait. They weren't waiting. They were praising. Nothing happens by waiting. Well, the Bible says wait on the Lord. Yes, it means if you read it in the original language, what does it mean, Ada, when it says to wait on the Lord? What's the, the wait? Yeah, actively serve like a waiter. A waiter at a restaurant doesn't wait on you. No, I'm just here. In my time, I'll get them there. For, no. He's actively ministering to you. Can I get you a drink? What can I get you to eat? That's what you do to the Lord. So even the waiting on the Lord should be done with praise and worship unto God. Ministering unto the Lord. There's no gift of waiting for miracles. There's a gift of working of miracles. And the working is done when you praise God. They, they didn't wait for their prison season to be open. I mean, sometimes, sometimes we're just so um, tired of the season we're in, but we have to wait in his time. Where are you getting this? This is not in the Bible. This is a, a theology by people who don't carry any power to make you not expect any power. But this ain't that kind of church. This is a church that knows how to pull the trigger on the power of God. We're pulling that trigger tonight, and the devil's going to get a double-barrel blast of Holy Ghost in his face that's going to knock every chain, knock every prison door open. I tell you, your prison season comes to an end tonight. Hallelujah. If you believe it, shout, I receive it. it. Yeah, they took an action to make it change. They prayed, but they didn't just pray. That's why keep me in prayer people never get anywhere. Keep me in prayer, keep me in prayer. No, your prayers are down here. Praise is empty. I'm not going to, what if you made up your mind? What did Paul say? I'm just going to tell you, Lord, if you get me out of here, I'll praise you. Oh, no. He didn't wait till the prison cell doors came open. He praised them ahead of time. And his praise provoked the hand of God's intervention. And suddenly, there wasn't a tiny earthquake. I think there might have been an earthquake. No, 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 no. There was a mighty earthquake. And the chains of how many prisoners? Every prisoner fell off. And how many prison doors came open? Now, if praise carries the power to knock iron chains off of people's wrists and open actual Roman iron doors... What do you think it can do to your invisible chains and your invisible prison doors? One more question. Did their praise knock it off of just them? How many prisoners got free from their praise? The Bible says in Psalm 22, 7, God abides in what? Not the prayers of his people, the praises of his people. When Daniel prayed... When Daniel prayed, an angel was sent with the answer to his prayer. Say this with me. Angels, Angels attend, to my prayers. attend to my prayers. God abides in the praise of his people. Angels attend to my prayers. Say this. God, God attends to my praise. Oh, they didn't wait till they were out of prison and praise God. They praised their way out of prison. 
I'm not an American history expert, and I'm not a race relations expert, but I know my Bible. When God was in heaven watching slave churches have one-hour praise services Hmm. while the free people were singing like they were the slaves, Hmm. God made a decision. I'm not letting anybody that praises me like that stay. Where was all the good music coming from? Where was all the happy? If you listen to church in the 1800s in America, they said you would have thought the slave churches were free and the free people were slaves. So God pulled a switcheroo and said, if you're going to come after being harshly oppressed, you're going to come to church and praise me. I'll knock the chains off of you and set you free because there's a principle. No man can praise God and stay down. give you one more did they praise God after the walls of Jericho fell did they pray the walls down what did they do they shouted the walls didn't collapse the walls were so wide you could ride six teams of chariots side by side on the top of the walls so if the wall fell down it was still a wall of rubble the wall fell flat And they went straight into the city. Didn't have to climb over anything. Don't wait till the battle's over. Shout ahead of time and you won't even have to fight. Don't praise God when the storm lifts. Praise him and it'll make the storm go away. I'm telling you something. Just like a fish can't survive outside of water, Satan has no capacity to survive in an atmosphere of praise. It takes the oxygen from him. Ask my, ask my wife in the front row. We get called to go pray for people in, in their house and go. Same atmosphere everywhere you go. Blinds drawn, lights low, sound on the TV low, slow music playing. That atmosphere is conducive for sickness. That atmosphere is conducive for defeat. But you get in this atmosphere, lights up bright. I like that they do that here. Some churches have to go and say, hey, turn the lights on. If I wanted to preach the shadows, I'd stay home. <laughs> preach out behind my house in the alley. No. Church is to be a bright place. It's not to be an atmosphere of depression and defeat. It's to be bright with loud. I think the music's too loud. Well, fortunately, we're not playing to you. We're playing to God. And God said, let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. You know what? You can take my, my good, the essence of joy coming out of that door. You can take it down, replace it with Psalm 150, verse 1 in the King James. The 150th Psalm, verse 1 to the end of the Psalm. Psalm 150. Now, if you know anything about breaking sentences down, is praise ye the Lord a suggestion? It's a declarative statement. So I don't know where these worship leaders come from. We invite you to stand tonight. You know, at a mosque, they don't invite you to pray. You pray or you get out. They don't invite you to take your shoes off if you're comfortable doing that. No, you you do or don't. So God has instructions in his house. This is not instructions to black people for black churches. This is instruction for all people. I wasn't really raised that way. Tough luck. Re-raise yourself. Praise ye the Lord. So if the Bible says that we're, how important is praise to God? Say this out loud. The only thing thing 
God can't do. God can't do. Is praise himself. Is praise himself. Think about it. You won't read any scripture and God praised himself. God gave himself thanks. He actually created us. Oh. Let me take it. Let me take it 5 minutes deeper. You mind? Be honest. There were three archangels in heaven. Michael, charge of warfare, Gabriel in charge of messaging, and Lucifer, who was in charge of the praise and worship in heaven. And Lucifer got cast out of heaven because he tried to usurp God, which many worship leaders still do to their pastors now because it's an old thing. (laughs) Amen. Amen. I could have left that part out, but I'm still going. (laughs) Lucifer gets cast out. And the Bible says every letter that was written in Revelation, Jesus said, write this letter to the angel of the church of Philadelphia. Write this letter to the angel of the church of Laodicea. And if you read any Bible study, Baptist, Presbyterian, doesn't matter. They'll tell you the angel of that church was the pastor. The church, you know why the devil hates the church so much? His job used to be what we're about to do. And when he got thrown out, God raised up a replacement angel, which is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, that our job is to give him praise and honor and glory. And it's so important to him that he said, if you won't do it, even the rocks will cry out and give me praise. And when you praise him, God abides in the praises of his people. Now say this out loud. When God steps in, when God steps in everything else steps out. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Dos. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. I don't like horns. Tough luck. It's not your church. It's God's church. We're not singing to you. I don't like slow songs. They're not for you. We're not singing. It's not a DJ. It's a praise and worship service. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. The Lord gave us. You know, it's amazing how the Lord will order things according to his word. I don't even know where that trumpet guy came from that plays in our church every Sunday. Just came. He's just there. Just playing the trumpet. He might be an angel. I'm going to poke him the next time there and see if my finger goes through. (laughs) Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and the harp. Praise him with the timbrel and the what? Dance. I don't believe dancing should be done in church. Well, you wrong. All right. You know what dancing is? I can tell you what it's not. Could move your feet a little bit. You know, it's interesting how people got a problem. You ever go to a Baptist wedding? Not allowed to dance in a Baptist church because they don't believe in dancing. But boy, once that wedding DJ says, uh, starts playing the electric slide, all of a sudden everybody's theology changes. <laughs> oh, I thought you didn't believe in dancing, deacon. Interesting. Always some lady at a wedding dancing like they've got a gun to her family's head saying, if you don't dance your hardest, people will die. Hey, take it easy. If you're in your mid-70s, relax. Oh, yeah. Ever go to a Christian wedding? Italian Pentecostal churches, some of the deadest churches I've ever been to in my life. Hope they're watching. Nobody moves. 
singing oh for a thousand tongues to sing how about just use the one you got It doesn't say squint. It says praise. Then you go to an Italian wedding. All those Italian Pentecostals that don't believe. Do you know how many people that were Pentecostals during the lockdown that thought it was unsafe to go to church? You think they weren't at weddings? You think they weren't at parties? Ask any pastor. People want to come to church. We still think it's unsafe. But then they'd go to a church wedding. All the people that said it was unsafe to gather to church were at the wedding. Oh, yeah. Do you know the point I'm making? It's interesting that somebody comes to church and clams up like a British soldier. But then if you play electric slide or whatever other artist you want to name, somehow your spirit gets in the groove with it. Why is that? Maybe it changes. Maybe instead of having a spirit that hooks in with the world, have one that when you go to church, you say, I didn't come here to listen to music. I came to praise God. Let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. Praise him with stringed instruments. Praise him in the dance. Praise him on the organ. You know, so hey, so now, isn't this crazy, Adonis? We had a trumpeter just materialize in accordance with the word. Then I, I said, one Sunday I said, man, I would love a B3 Hammond organ with a Leslie speaker. And someone shipped one that week. Said, our church has one, you can have it. And there it was. God bless your brother, Tom. Can you say amen? Because he wants it that way. Yeah. Praise him upon the loud symbol. We don't believe in drums on the platform. Well, you're wrong. You're, you're unscriptural. Who cares what you believe? Why do people think people care what they believe? We don't believe in that. Did you write a book of the Bible? No, I did not. Okay, beat it. <laughs> Praise him on the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that has... Let everything that has breath I want to tell you something. Well, I can feel this thing breaking. Whatever you came here for prayer for, if you check, you don't need prayer anymore. There's no way that thing lasted through the last 40 minutes. I'm telling you, Holy Ghost has flown a different way tonight. Hallelujah. Let everything that has breath. You'd read a Catholic catechism book. You read a Presbyterian catechism book. They all tell you the same thing in the first chapter because I've seen them both. What was man created to do? Answer, man was created to give praise and adoration to God. When Satan got cast out of heaven, God made man. And he made him in his image to love him and in his likeness. And he gave him one job. Praise me. I can't go to church this week. You're going against your divine purpose. You're to praise him in the company of the saints. In the house of the Lord. These buildings. What was the first thing every demonized Dr. Fauci and all, all those people? We ask you not to have any singing. Oh, you know, like praise. You a devil. I know you. We ask you not to sing, just to chant quietly. That's what they said on from the CDC. We ask churches not to sing, just chant quietly. Yeah, we're not a, we're, this is not hot yoga. This is a church. 
chant quietly. Do you know anything about church? Like this is karate practice. Chant quietly. Sing with a loud voice. Walk around the walls. And on the seventh time, give a blast from the ram's horn and shout. And when they did, the walls that nobody had ever breached in human history fell flat. They didn't pray them down. They didn't fight them down. They didn't hit them down. They praised them down. Whether it's a prison door, whether it's prison chains, whether it's the walls of Jericho, there is nothing that can survive the praises of God's people. The devil's worked overtime to steal your joy so he can steal your praise. But tonight, you got your joy back. You're getting your praise back. You're going to pursue overtake and recover all than everything. Are you ready? Are you ready? On the count of three, I want you guys to pick a chord and just slam it. And play the drums like you're not supposed to play them in church. On the count of three. Isn't it interesting? You know, I brought up the wedding thing. Isn't it interesting that all the, all the Christians that don't believe in dancing and all that, they all have some place where they, they let it out. Oh, they'll go paint their chest at a, at a Cowboys game, though. They'll stand in church like this. then go with their chest painted at a Cowboys. Come on! Woo! Oh, yeah. Because God made man to praise. So if they won't praise God, they'll go shell out 1100 bucks to go hear Taylor Swift. Sorry if that was a word of knowledge. It wasn't meant to be. <laughs> and that guy doesn't know you. If you get within five feet of that guy, two guys in black sport coats are going to beat you up. He doesn't like you. He doesn't have time to talk to you. But you'll shell out 1100 You don't believe in tithing, though. But you'll shell out 1100 for those tickets and not even blink. You'll find a way to get $400 per seat. That's $200 per butt cheek to go to a game. You'll wear that guy's jersey on your back with his last name. He doesn't like you. He doesn't know you. He won't sign anything for you. But then somebody who left heaven and died on a cross in your place then got up and rose again on the third day and is coming back again for you. You oh no, if there was ever a place to let the tiger out of the cage. Are you ready? On the count of three, I want you to shout. I want you every hand lifted on the count of three and let out a shout. And God's going to enter in. If you're waiting after for prayer, you didn't hear one thing I said. You're going to get what you came for tonight by your own praise. And I'm telling you, those of you that are online, people are going to have stuff flipped tonight. Legally, stuff you've been waiting on, even though it's way past office hours. Your praise is going to flip everything on its head. I see everything turning around for you. What goes trick?
can't praise to start the week and lose. Congratulations in advance on the best seven days you've ever had. In Jesus' name. If you believe it, shout amen like thunder. Yes, I agree. Completely agree. When they did that in Second Chronicles 20, their enemy just left. Sort of kill each other and left all their goods behind. Another time they did it, they heard they heard the thundering of chariots through the mulberry trees. God went before them and drove out their enemies. Hallelujah. Whatever battle you had waiting for you this week, it's already won. I said it's already won. from a can of Bud Light. You can't get it from, from to, uh, I don't know any other brands of beer. Hallelujah. This Hallelujah. is the new wine of the Holy Ghost.
Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.